Listen in on conversations with some of the most successful business leaders, innovators, visionaries and disruptors in dentistry. Reimagine your dentistry worldview and learn how you can take your performance, potential and results to the next level. This is Dentistry, dentistry on Purpose. And we're your hosts, Mark Topley and Justin Lee. Hello and welcome. Today we are absolutely delighted to be joined by Drew Shah. And those of you who know Drew will know what a powerhouse he is in dentistry. But uh, perhaps if you're not as familiar with Drew, I'll ask Drew, uh, just say welcome, Drew, and ask you to give uh, an, an introduction to yourself, please. Hi, thanks for welcoming me. I introduced myself with perhaps uh, one word, supercharger. And, and I live <laughs> I live to do that. And I, I breathe to do that. Ultimately, I just want to light the spark in people in whatever we do. Inspire them, because if they're inspired, they'll be engaged. If they're engaged, they want to grow. They want to get better. If they get better and they grow, they've just increased their potential to thrive. And if we can do that for somebody, that's what actually lights my spark. That's what it is, supercharging people. Um, day by day, I work in practice as a dentist. I'm a specialist periodontist. That's basically somebody who deals with gums, all the pink stuff in the mouth. Otherwise, I am CEO of Dentinal Tubules, which is a growth organization beyond education. It's a growth organization for dentistry. I think Dentinal Tubules now has close to 50,000 members from about 68 or 70 countries around the world. I founded it 13 years ago. And uh, my third role is as a trustee of the Tubules Foundation. So I founded the foundation in 2017. And we contributed 3% of our gross earnings from the business at Dentinal Tubules into the foundation with a vision to build education for little children, schools around the world in underprivileged areas. I'm still a trustee. I stepped down as the chair last year and that vision continues. So ultimately, whatever I do, I want to supercharge people. As a periodontist, I supercharge them to look after their teeth, get motivate them. As Dental Tubule CEO, the strategy is all about supercharging them to love dentistry, to get to work, to be inspired and build leaders. And uh, the Tubules Foundation is about supercharging the future generation. And that's what we enjoy doing. Fantastic. What an introduction, Drew. What an introduction. <laughs> thank you. And thank you for joining us. Your, your energy is infectious. We've, I've had the pleasure of spending time with you, Drew, a few time, on a few occasions. And it always leaves me feeling supercharged. It's a great term for it. Uh, I'd, I'd love to know, in these series of episodes, we talk about leadership, we talk about purpose, we talk about thinking of dentistry kind of as a business so that we get structure and intention around how we manage dentistry. Um, your your perspective on leadership, I think, will be particularly useful for our listeners, Drew. Would you tell us a bit about your view on leadership? To me, leadership, it's a very um, commonly used term. But if you mm. think about what is leadership, it's actually taking people towards some kind of compelling vision. And really, you are you know, leading it, basically, taking it from the front, leading by example, creating the path towards some kind of a vision, some kind of a cause, something like that. And uh, the biggest thing is you're not just taking people there. You're then unlocking the potential in people and unlocking the potential in processes so that everybody together can get towards this vision. And leadership's about that. Leadership's about enabling others. Not the easiest task, but the most important task that people don't really take seriously sometimes. It's so important. Without a leader, I think everybody would be running around in different directions. What a leader does is literally cultivates that kind of strong trust where uh, everybody else thinks, yeah, I trust this vision. I trust this person to take us to us this vision. And I suppose I trust this person's strategies in unlocking us and unlocking the processes. 
giving people resources as a leader is that it's giving them the the unlocking potential and that's to me the big thing about leadership and the thing is if we, if you ever look at uh, a google you know and and ask what leadership is this you know as a verb it's a cause something to go to right moving people person whatever leading them by hand by a halter a rope it's a route of access to a particular place or direction and ultimately to me it's about an initiative you know being an example that others follow you may be first there as a leader you might be carving the path but others like that path that's what leadership's about to me mm-hmm. very good in terms of your experience drew how, how have you learned to lead what what's been the journey you've been on making more mistakes than i should have <laughs> <laughs> I, I was trained to be a dentist it's funny because uh, obviously i had i had a big vision of education to the world because prior to everything i did i had a journey where i had to go through my dental education my family lost all the money and i went through really challenging times as an undergraduate we were paying international fees and i had to go through days without food working like crazy so it created my vision of education to the world at that point but actually i just always wanted to own a website it was very interesting that all these things were conspiring and in 2009 i lost interest in dentistry just people around me weren't inspiring enough they were the smartest brains on the planet who were teaching me in my masters program but they just didn't put a spark in a disruptor like me so that's when i started dental tubules and it was about 13 years that i've built this about a vision a vision to make a change in others a vision to inspire people because education is all great education to the world is all great but if you're not inspired if you're not engaged you're not going to really invest in education you're not going to involve yourself and commit your time your resources to it and every time we got these sort of challenges we always used to think what's key factor that differentiates the people who use our educational organization services and who you don't and in 2017 we hit a rock you know we just raised some angel funding for the next stage of the tubules project like anything when you see a bit of funding you think your potential is greater and obviously we hit a lot of uh, roadblocks all sorts of things conspired dental tubules was 5 days from closure a business i'd put in my sweat my tears lack of sleep working alone putting all my savings was 5 days from closure in 2017 and for wow. those people who know me very well know that uh, i don't have any other t-shirts i've got this black polo shirt that says tubules <laughs> I mean, this was my identity. This is the badge I used to work with. And when ten years later, when that project's about to fall, you know, you almost feel like you're going to lose that identity. Mm-hmm. And uh, what it does bring out an earthquake moment. Any earthquake moment in you brings out one question. It says, "Would you do this again, even if you lost it?" That's the question I ask myself sitting in my kitchen, sipping a cup of coffee at eleven o'clock at night. You know, when I kind of said, "Okay, maybe this is gone now, but what's going to happen?" and this little voice in my shoulder said yeah of course i would it's like what after all this chaos after all this sweat losing sleep i used to sleep 2 hours a night at some point and and you think yeah i would why the question was why and it was about the fact that i make this difference in other people's lives i i went back to the stories of people who came back and said thank you for tubules because it changed how we exist right mm-hmm. it wasn't just education it wasn't just cpd whatever it was people saying it changed how we exist and then i thought oh god and there's all these people who in a way in which i still find difficult to accept follow me follow tubules they contribute their time their resource to tubules and they're willing to give up you know what's valuable to them in order to further the tubules cause and i suddenly realized jesus i'm leading a tubules cause here i'm leading a powerful cause here 
that's probably why the biggest awareness came through me is to say, I've got to grow up as a leader. I've got to not behave like an eight-year-old anymore. And this is actually something you've got to take with a bit more, I wouldn't say seriousness, because I was serious about it, but, you know, fun seriousness, but with a bit more depth and understanding. There's a responsibility on my shoulder with which I've got to build this skill. That's what leadership sort of brought into me. So I learned it through hard mistakes. And one of the biggest things I've learned about leadership is don't do it all yourself. Unlock the potential in others. Unlock this in others because they can enable things with more power than you could mm-hmm. if you can compel them to go towards that cause and that vision. Wow. Fantastic. Wow, Fantastic. wow, wow. Yeah, that, that's incredible. It is. Great, um, great quote I heard the other day. Followers are so important. And you're absolutely right. Engaging people in the, the mission is, is critical because the first follower is what turns a lone nut into a leader. Because before yeah. then, they're just a lone nut. But you need followers in order to be a leader. So so, so before they're a lone nut with fo- yeah. followers, they become a bunch of nutters. <laughs> 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 but but uh, I suppose Brilliant. you can agree it's 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 a bunch of nutters with a cause, isn't it? They're, they're nuts with <laughs> a cause, or they're driven by a cause. Brilliant, uh, yeah. very good. So, so Drew, are you going to get to? Are you going to tell us how from 2017 you managed to get through that difficult period and you know revive tubules and ultimately it's you know it's thriving, isn't it? So how, what happened? How did you get past that? I can't I can't wait to hear. It. <laughs> um, this is a caveat. Don't try this at home. <laughs> <laughs> You know, the, the truth of the metro, Justin, is that in building tubules over eight years, I'd built a lot of resilience, a lot of tenacity. And mm-hmm. that came from my cause. And and at that point, it was about, number one, finding the strengths and how to convert those strengths into opportunities. Because from 2009 to this point in 2017, I'd been more or less myself running this whole thing. Yeah. Doing the job of 32 people on a part-time basis while working in dentistry to earn the money to drive this. That's why I slept two hours a night. Just before this momentous moment in 2017, we had uh, recruited a team on board maybe a few months back. So the team obviously didn't know what was going on, but they knew that this vision was compelling. The most interesting thing is this team had come on board because they had been bugging me to come and work for Tubules, which is quite cool, actually, because they're yeah. still engaged and they're still around. And at that point, when I looked at the strengths I looked at the opportunities around, I realized we've got a massive resource available here. And luck would have it that the GDC was, the UK GDC was changing its CPD regulations at that point. And none of the other organizations, none, zero, had put their skates on to actually think that the dental population, the dentists, the dental professionals, the nurses will need this knowledge. Now, this new regulations are coming in January 2018, and I literally, within a space of two weeks, uh, wrote a whole book on the PDP and what needs doing, got it printed through Amazon, created an entire series of videos on how to get your best PDP, how to meet these regulations, enabled our website team to say, listen, deliver this for me, we will find a way to uh, pay you over the next few months. And I did a, a roadshow over the six months after that, where I think I traveled about four and a half or 5,000 miles in a space of a few months across the entire country every night. I remember one time I went up to Newcastle in an afternoon, delivered the lecture, left at about 11 or 12 o'clock at night from there to get home at five, to wake up at seven o'clock and go to practice and went all out. And because nobody else was doing this, because we had the opportunity, it started creating the revival of tubules at some level. And I'm not going to lie, it wasn't easy because, you know, we say 3% of the money goes to the foundation. And for a long period, we couldn't pay the foundation and we had to write IOU notes. And some people got kind of 
annoyed with that. But I had to make short-term sacrifices to create the long-term aim. Mm-hmm. Well, last year, we managed to pay the foundation. And a few weeks ago, you might have seen the pictures. The school project we launched four years ago was built. Mm-hmm. Tubules is in a whole different position now. We're onto the next variation of our vision, the next version of our vision, the next goal in our cause. And that process, you had to be resilient. You had to be ready to take the sweat at that point. Leadership is sweat. I'll tell you what, when things go well, my team will always get the credit. When things go shit, I will take all the blame all day long. It's not my team's fault. I always say, I wouldn't say blame. I'll say responsibility. Nobody takes blame. Responsibility for not knowing what I should have known. And I will learn and improve from that. And at that point, when we put the long hours in, I had to then, you know, go to practices, go to individuals, convince them to sign up to Tubules as members, saying this is going to help you. You had to do all sorts of things. I would do, you know, go and help someone out and create the goodwill where people think that goodwill that I've created, they can't return it, but they will sign up to Tubules as a member. I contributed and served value to somebody as a leader, as a person, using my strengths as well. And they felt that the, the mission is what they will give back to. Wow. I'm not sure I would sign up to the two hours a night thing, but I, you're <laughs> very differently to me, which is what makes the world go around. You've talked at length about Tubules having this. You're not just an education provider. There is a purpose to what you do. And, you know, on this podcast, we like to talk about purpose and how that's kind of baked into an organization. Clearly with Tubules, it is because that's what's allowed you to rally so many people around it. How much do you see that becoming a more important aspect of running a dental practice, engaging a team, those sorts of things? Huge. Nothing, nothing emotionally moves anybody. Nothing compels anybody. Nothing shifts people like a strong cause, a strong Mm. purpose, a just cause. That's Mm. what humans were made to do. People talk about goals. People talk about a vision. But ultimately, here's the thing. If you think about a vision, a vision is simply a picture in our imagination of where we want to get to. But ultimately, what underlines that vision? What world do you want to see is defined by the foundation of the strongest possible purpose and cause. That Mm. cause is what defines things. Now, we have a strong cause of inspiring the world and supercharging. The first thing about a leader is you can't inspire people to a cause unless you've got a cause you believe in. Right. I've got a journey that I went through. And one of the biggest things I created um, or did over COVID was a long self-awareness journey, you know, really trying to unlock my own self and realize why I like to supercharge people is born out of my experiences, my values, my beliefs, my concepts, my principles. That's what a leader has got to do. A leadership journey involves unlocking yourself, powerful self-awareness, because your cause lies inside you. And when you find that powerful purpose, you will know how to then create that vision. And then you've got to find people in and around you who align to that cause and Mm. align to your vision from that. Now, can you imagine how much you can supercharge people with that? And Mm. that's the inspiring team. If you think about dentistry, right, and someone goes, our cause is to create good smiles. I mean, come on, how how compelling is that? You know, I'm a periodontist, right? My cause, and and I kept saying, I'm I'm very pretty crap at the white stuff in the mouth. If you ask me to do composites, I'll tell you, go to any other dentist on the planet. But if you ask me to do periodontics, yes, I love it. And I'll tell you why, because it's not the dentistry first, it's the human behavior change that comes there. Mm. I supercharge people and they go, you know what? I'm motivated to look after my teeth. Mm. Now, That's the powerful emotional moving cause because patients go, nobody's ever changed me thinking like this. 
And when, I, when my team sit around me, they go, I love this, Drew. I love what you're doing because look at that patient. They're a completely different person as they walk out there. You know they're going to change their behavior day in, day out. That's the trick behind it. So how important is a purpose? We're recording this at a time when dentists are going, there's a recruitment crisis of nursing within dentistry. And I'm sitting there going, it's obvious. It's obvious why there's a recruitment crisis. You're bringing people in. They have skills. They have technical skills. But how are you aligning them to a strong purpose, a strong cause? Mm. Because the skills are just the vehicle to achieve that cause. You know, your skills are your strategy. But what's your vision? What's your cause? What's your aim? What's going to move the public to go, these guys look after me? It's that Mm -hmm. powerful that dental practices almost need to stop thinking KPI, stop thinking what's the return on investment and start thinking about what's the return on inspiration. What's the cause behind this? Brilliant. Mm. Do you know that I love that ROI instead of return on investment, return on inspiration. That is, that's genius. Yes, it is. I really like that. Really like Uh, that. I was going to put there as a title of the book I'm writing, but then I, I kind of deviated from it and I tried to restart. I think ROI has to be a return on inspiration. Very really good. good. Mm. So in terms of your own, I mean, this is going to be an easy question for you, I think, Drew. In terms of your own personal and professional development, thinking from a business perspective, because I guess, you know, yeah. from a, from Tubules, Tubules is, okay, it's a purpose, it's a cause, you're doing some great work, but it has to act as a business to be able to support the teams that work with it, to be able to donate to the, the worthy causes that you want to donate to. I'd love to hear how you think about yourself as a business leader and how you, kind of the principles you employ as a business for Tubules. How, how do you go about that, Drew? The top, top, top principle to me is the people, about the people who work as part of our team to deliver that cause and the people who work as part of our team as customers, as users, whatever we call them, Tubulites. That's the key to me. Move the people, everything else moves with that. Now, this is the skill of leadership, really, is understanding people and knowing how to do people. You're almost into coaching territory, I suppose. Mm. So as a business leader, that's so important to me. And I put that priority above everything else, actually, which is why I probably end up in sweaty moments more often. (laughs) (laughs) And and our CFO, David Horn, will tell you that every now and then. Biggest lesson I've learned as well is actually what you just pointed out, being very responsible in how you achieve that. I suppose at one point I was a lot more brave and risk-taking than I am now. Perhaps uh, maturity, wisdom, all these other things come in with that. The the second thing is that it's understanding numbers, no doubt about that. Mm. But the third thing, which I think people don't really pick on very well, is processes. Understanding processes, because the more consistent your processes the more your team understand it, adopt to it, and get sharper at it, and can evolve those processes. Mm. And then it's about linking the people to the right processes. If a person is good at something, they will automatically align to one of those processes. And that's where the real growth happens. Underlining that then, I'm not talking in terms of people and processes and profits or whatever, all the Ps, but if you think about anything, a business leadership, business leader. At the center of what we do is the performance we do. Mm. And all these things came around it, but the superior performance happens on four Ps of growth, really. The first P is finding the pathway. Without knowing the right pathway, you might as well fire in every direction, be lost. But once you have a pathway, you build focus. Once you build focus, you've got focus for growth, right? So you agree with that, Justin. <laughs> I love what you did there, Drew. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so true. Pathway is so powerfully important. But second to that pathway is a second P, and that's people. Finding the right 
people who will align to the cause, who have the right values, the right behaviors, then the right skills possibly, or you might develop them, and creating those trusted teams in people is creating trust. And then the third piece, the power of knowledge and education and skill. And the final piece, the place, enable people to create the right place or environment for them to grow. As people in your business grow, as a leader, you're forced to grow beyond that because mm. you've got to be leading. And as a result of all that growth, the business creates its own growth as well. Mm. And suddenly everything just gets that level of exponential growth, I suppose. Mm. Very nice. I like the model, Drew. As you were talking, there were a few things going through in my mind. One of them was the quote that says, thinking about people and having quality people around you, that if you, know, if you, if you find yourself often the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. <laughs> you, yeah. you've got, your team have to start to grow and, as you say, challenge you as a leader to become better because that's an important part of personal development, isn't it? To be able to be vulnerable enough to know actually that you need to grow and get better. I, I really like that. And I think yeah. vulnerability, you bring that in and I'll tell you an example, mm. Um, mm. which I, I think was brilliant as a leader. And I, So a few months ago, I just did an open email to the whole team, reply all kind of thing. And I said, tell me three things I'm good at. Tell me three things I'm an absolute asshole at things I've had a good impact on you, three things I've not had the best impact on you. And the fifth question was, what areas can I improve on? And one team member called me up and said, Drew, are you all right? Everything okay? And I said, yeah, it's fine. And then he said, should I do a reply this to yourself privately? Or I said, do a reply all. But it's literally put yourself in the ring as a leader and go, yeah. fine, bring it on and tell me what it is. Now, this breaks a barrier down. That's the first thing. You know, and my team have always seen that anyway. They, they're my bosses. I'm not their boss kind of thinking. But we work as a team. You know, we, there's no hierarchy. But it, it just breaks a barrier down. You're open and honest with each other. And that feedback loop is brilliant. You know, I was alerted to certain blind spots that I never knew existed. But more interestingly, I also got certain things where the team did not understand the intentions or the methods of my thinking. So it opened up understanding both ways. So I then had to create a reply, a long reply to everyone, you know, understanding why I function in certain ways, mm -hmm. thanking them for showing me blind spots and making me change who I'm going to be accountable to, who's going to check on me. So we created this whole thing, but it didn't stop there. I then went to the next team member and said, who's the next one to step in, in the ring now? And we created this entire, you know, mode of 360, but an open, honest 360. Mm -hmm. It just was one of the most phenomenal vulnerability exercises for a team. You can only do that when you've got se severe trust, though, haven't you? I mean, yeah. and, and by leading the way and setting the example, it's so powerful for people to say, you know, we're all a work in progress. We all need to develop. And that whole thing of the dual self-awareness, because the, the internal self-awareness that you have is, well, this is how I show up. This is how I affect people. This is how I react. And then your team go, uh -uh. <laughs> this is how you really show up. <laughs> This is yeah. how it really impacts, and this is what you need to do different. So, yeah, fair play to you, and well done. Very good, mate. Well, I think Very this good. is something dental leaders, business leaders should employ more. There's a fear factor, isn't it? There's, there's yeah. a shame or a fear factor that I, I suppose pervades through society because people are scared of being blamed. The historic model of leadership is one where the CEO with all the answers sits in the in the ivory tower and fires orders at people but that you know that leadership model is long gone but the, the hangovers are can i make myself open and does vulnerability equal weakness which yes. is i guess where a lot of people come at it from yeah. i think vulnerability is you putting your armor down but you've got to be suppose have the faith enough to say vulnerability isn't a weakness because i'm putting my armor down yeah. but i'm strong enough and courageous enough to accept whatever comes 
weakness is when you let your armor down and you feel like I can't take what comes and mm-hmm. and, and that's the slight distinction and you're right it's it's just I, I suppose the old leadership thing about I'm the boss I tell you what comes from the office upstairs that's almost underlying that is almost trying to tell the staff you're not as clever as me I very well know as a leader I'm I'm a lone nut as you said and my brain's a little nut but there's people out there with absolutely bigger more powerful systems I've got to enable them I've got to help them recognize their potential because mm-hmm. you know I, I suppose part of leadership is enabling other people to lead themselves totally and you know there's a couple of things in there Drew that are important one is your ability to be vulnerable and open enough to take the feedback because if because the other thing that happens if if somebody if a leader says to a team I'd like your feedback you know good the bad and the ugly but as a leader you don't trust that I will take your feedback then the feedback I'll get will all be positive <laughs> and that will that, that will further reinforce my ego and probably inflate it and actually it can, that sort of situation can make situations worse kudos to you for doing it and kudos to your team for having the courage to give you the feedback mm-hmm. because that's where it really does make the impact because when you see the truth you are, you know, almost forced to stand in front of the mirror. The mirror is what helps us to gain awareness and that awareness drives change. But it, it actually sounds really straightforward. That's really, really difficult to do because we have natural defense mechanisms that kind of want to protect us and we don't really want to hear the truth very often. So well done for stepping into it and for encouraging your team to do the same. Yeah. Really, really good. Really good example. Oh, thanks so, for that. And I just, it's a reflection, you know, worth our, anybody listening to the podcast, just to think about their own organizations, their own teams, and being able to display that vulnerability, seek the feedback actively, because if you seek feedback actively, you'll get it. If you don't, you generally won't receive any. And think about it for their own leadership teams. If you're running a practice and you've got different people in different leadership positions, actually encouraging them to do the same. The impact on culture is brilliant. We bring you right back, Drew, to you know one of the comments you talked about, the recruitment crisis at the moment. If I work for a leader that seeks my feedback, that acts on that feedback, that I see as someone that is displaying that vulnerability and, mm-hmm. and I've got high trust, you know, chances are I'm going to work for that person for a long time. And that's one of the answers to this recruitment crisis that we're in, as well as attracting the right people is for leaders to start to think about what it takes for them to retain talent at the highest level. And one of the things you talk, we talk about here, uh, perhaps I'm deviating, but people keep talking about hourly rates and pay and increasing mm. the pay. And I sort of look at finite and infinite sort of things. And it's about how long do you want your leadership to go? Because infinite mm. leadership, unlimited leadership is going to go beyond me, beyond me in time, beyond me as a person. Money and pay rates is finite leadership because I can increase your pay today. That dopamine effect is going to go tomorrow. Inflation is going to hit tomorrow. You want another pay rise, another pay rise. Mm-hmm. And there's a finite limit to that. But human potential, people's potential, I'd say it's infinite. So why not get a team whose potential you can unlock? Because they're in that you've probably got an infinite power source that, you know, the queen's face on a dollar knot ain't going to unlock. Yeah, totally agree. June, so your team, how many people have you got on with you at Tubules? We are a core team of uh, six people. Okay. Creating change. And yeah. and obviously, we have lots of people who come in and out based on different, for example, our Congress, we probably had a team of 13 people right. doing things. But the core team doing everything, coordinating is six people. What's the route been for them in, into the organization? How, how have you tended to 
recruit people that you can share the vision with and work with closely? So, you know, this is interesting because like I was saying, a lot of them, in fact, most of them have come disturbing me. Can I come work for you? I've had to think about how the hell do I find the way to raise the income to be able to give them a salary. And so finance plays a role. But when it comes to recruitment, I never recruit people on skill. I like to recruit people on values and what they stand for on their behavior. But the truth is, Mark, if I tell you what your values are, and if, for example, just an example, I say, you know, I I value humor and you tell me my value is making people laugh, that's going to happen. But Mm. what we want to see is people actually making people laugh, you know, if, if that was the value. So one of the recruitment strategies we use is scenarios, real scenarios I've faced in tubules are put into the application form. An example, you know, you're leading a team and your team's achieved something great, you have been given, uh, I think it's 30 seconds to write a speech. 30 seconds is 60 words. What are you going to write about? And I leave them to write it. But that tells you a lot. What Mm. they write about tells you a lot. Now, someone might write, I wanted to thank people or whatever. Someone might write, I led a great team. Someone says, I led a great team. You think, hold on, this is a different way of thinking. That's my interpretation, my beliefs. If someone thanks the people who enable their team, you kind of know where their focus is. And This is the kind of recruitment. It goes back to knowing what your cause is, what your purpose is, and what values and behaviors you respect, what values and behaviors you think are important to achieve that cause, because that's your recruitment process. Skills are, again, something, okay, if they have skills, it's a benefit, because that strategy can be applied faster. So very useful. Mm. If somebody doesn't have the skills, I'm sure you can develop it through learning and education, but they've got to have the hunger, the desire to achieve that. Yeah. I mean, bringing people on that with the, the leaning towards values rather than skills, I think, you know, with Bridge to Aid, it was something very much that particularly in East Africa, there's a much smaller pool of talent to kind of fish in. And we got our hands burnt a couple of times where we recruited somebody who had great skills and qualifications, but their attitude was in the toilet and, you know, presented very well at the beginning. But it, do you think, you know, bringing people in that values and then training skills up, does that make it easier to get people aligned and get them on board with, with vision? Much easier to get them on board with vision. No doubt about that. But the other thing is also, if you can, you know, like anything, people don't come to work for you in a way. They come to work for you, but ultimately they come to work for their own fulfillment, their own happiness, their own security. Mm-hmm. If you yeah. can unlock that, they feel so much more psychologically secure. And that psychological security means they will take those three, four steps extra for you. Now, you know, you talk about Bridge to Aid in Africa. Now, here's the thing. If we talk about this podcast in the Western world, there's less scarcity. There's less hunger. We are just generally better off. Yes, there is poverty, but we're kind of better off. If you go to Africa, that poverty is at greater level. So perhaps their psychological safety comes from the fact that they get food on their plate once Mm. a day or twice a day. We are probably lucky in this country. And so we can go a bit further up, uh, you know, Maslow's hierarchy and say, let's give people a bit more fulfillment derived security. And this becomes very complex. But ultimately, whichever way we look at it, if people feel looked after for what their priorities and values are, and if you can find a way to unlock those values into what you do every day and your business's cause, I think you've then got the perfect synergy formula to supercharge both sides of the coin. Very good. I agree. Yes, it's interesting, isn't it? It's and that is, you know, that team alignment to values, whether you're recruiting or whether you are, you know, leading your team on a day-to-day basis, that living the values, reminding people of them, look seeking examples, recognizing examples, you know, if it's appropriate, rewarding examples, so important because values and culture is a living thing. It's not something you 
decide one day and then you know forget about in the future it's so important to just live and breathe it in you know your organization or your practice so yeah and really, i suppose the other really, thing here to add as well sorry i interrupted yeah. you there but it's, it's the chaos theory if you think about the world we now live in perhaps at one of the most uncertain periods because mm. of the rapid translation of technology what's true today could be completely history tomorrow and the yeah. other thing is that the huge movement of people the mix of geography means that cultural mixing is happening a lot quicker so ideas and everything you know before there was cultures that stayed in that culture and if you understood it you could predictably translate things so that predictability meant you could create processes tell people what to do here's a recipe and they do it but now we live in a world of so much uncertain change today's recipe is tomorrow's stale food and we've got to enable people to create their own recipes create their own solutions that doesn't come from telling them what to do which is the skill that comes from making them realize the the values and everything else because if you get them thinking the right way then the chances are that in that chaos they will find the right solutions and in dental practice that's so true with the amount of chaos that we seem to hear from practice owners would it not be nice just to find a way where the team start looking for solutions themselves absolutely and it goes back to a point you made earlier drew you know you don't want to be the only person with the answers or the smartest person in the room because in that situation, when your team face uncertainty, what do they do? You become someone that they depend on for ideas and answers. Actually, you want them to be independent and ultimately, as a team, interdependent, right? Depend on each other and, and really thrive. Yeah, really yes. important. You know, creating that, that, that sort of a trusted team, I suppose. You know, people who don't work with each other, they work for each other. We're talking about it theoretically, I guess. It's the difficulty is, you know, you're running a busy practice, you know, your phone's ringing nonstop, the surgeries are, are, are full, the appointment book is full, you've got the PPE, all that stuff. It's having the space and, you know, that mental intention to be able to adopt it and keep bringing yourself back to it in the busyness of running your business or practice, isn't it? That's where the real... I guess art and science comes in is being able to intentionally focus on it on a regular basis. It's, it's, it's moving from that, what's a conscious competence to unconscious competence, really, isn't it? Mm. It's creating that. But one of the big things mm. is we need to move away from this uh, productivity model. Don't shut the practice down for a day because we'll lose X income. Well, there are certain practices, and I give credit to a guy called Hap Gill down in Richmond as an example. Yeah. Um, but Hap literally shuts his practice down, you know, a, a whole day. And takes all the staff members out on a training day away from the practice in yeah. a specific area and and he takes the phones away keeps a real focus creates things and he does it every few months i think when you create that sort of thinking in a mental focus you create the systems mm. i think what then to bring it into the unconscious competence in a very fast uh, environment fast translating environment in practice you've got to have accountable partners mm. this is another big thing about building trusted teams and nobody does this in practices or anywhere. People have got to be accountable. I've got to have an accountable partner in practice, and we're accounting for each other. We're spotting each other's ways of working and, and improving each other's ways of working. Because when we do that with each other, then in that fast environment, that awareness remains. Mm -hmm. There are other ways you could do it. You know, you could change the environment. You could put signs around to remind people, influence, self-conscious influences. Mm -hmm. But it's about then doing that and then very quickly taking another day out and reviewing that. And it's only when you create that cycle that you'll make that change. But mm. there's got to be a leadership will to take that change forward. And to have, as you say, to have the intention to do it in the first place, to create the time and space for the team 
to stop doing the work and start planning how they're going to improve the work, the experience of patients, the way that they operate and evolve as a team. Yeah. And that really nicely links into uh, one of my final questions, Drew, about high performance and you know your thoughts on high performance, whether that's a high performing team or setting standards for people so that they can continually elevate their performance. Love to hear your views on that. Go back to the four Ps. In fact, the four Ps are the high performance growth, you know, finding the right pathway, getting the right people, creating the power of knowledge and skill, and then having the right environment of the place to enable that performance. Underlying those four Ps is the fire you put inside it. So the, the inspiration you create for that high performance, that's where real challenge happens. Now, here, I suppose I've got to bring something about growth and small moments. Mm. Big wins happen in small moments. Usain Bolt did not break the world record when he came there and broke the world record. Mm. He started this years ago and made small improvements, small improvements, small improvements, Mm. minute by minute by minute. And it's those accumulation of those small improvements that created the big win. Mm. And people have got to realize, and this means it takes time. Growth, the best growth happens at the border of safety and challenge. If you're too much in the safety and comfort zone, you're not Mm. growing. You push yourself too far out, you may not have the necessary skills or the mindset to be able to really grow. Mm. What you've got to do is push yourself out little by little. And as you expand that boundary a bit more and a bit more and a bit more, before you know it, those small moments have created superior performance Mm. in whatever you do. But part of that pathway and performance is knowing what your performance is. If you're a dentist, your performance is producing high quality dentistry. If you're a business owner, you've got to be aware your performance now becomes leadership. Mm. And a lot of dentists don't understand. They use the dentist thinking to lead a team. There's a problem, fix it. There's a problem, what's the fixable technical solution? But actually, leadership isn't a technical solution. Leadership is almost behavioral solutions, which are completely different. So you've got to know that. Having that awareness of what your performance is and what your pathway is then brings out the the, the sort of optimal high performance within you and everything else. That's then when you can build focus, deep work, strategy, everything else comes underlying that. And that's the way I think about it. Yeah, great stuff. Brilliant. And don't sleep two hours a night. Try and get get at least three. (laughs) So, Drew, going back to when you were a young man, younger man i should say the wise old soul that you are now as well as don't sleep two hours a night what piece of advice do you think you would would be that would be on the tip of your tongue to give to your younger self to help you to better navigate the challenges the ups and downs that you've had over the last sort of 15 20 years do you know the truth of the matter is there are two things i i always reflect back upon and it one was that i was brought up in a community that valued success differently. Success was your academic grades. Success was your status in society or or, or, or what your bank check said. And mm-hmm. the early part of my career was largely challenged by that. You know, I, I came into dentistry because I was told it's a rewarding profession. I wanted to do medicine. Before that, I wanted to do music. Music, what the hell are you going to do with that? You know, and I come from an Asian background and I say in Kenyan Indian families, if you're not a pharmacist, an engineer, a doctor, a lawyer or a dentist, you're yeah. a failure. Yeah. And so my youngest self, and, and I say, is redefine success. Success is, is finding that inspiring journey and experiencing it every day, having that meaningful life. So you're just joyous in every moment. And this is what I bring out in my son. I say, enjoy the moment, resonate with the experiences you enjoy. And it just creates a much, much bigger spark. You automatically improve because you enjoy it. So that's one of the first things I said is redefine success. And the second thing I say is just, Jesus, experience a lot more. 
just take more risks. As though I haven't taken enough risks and been brave enough, just be braver. Really live on the cliff edge. Because when you're about to fall, you will find the resourcefulness, the strength and the courage you never thought you had. And uh, actually, as humans, I think we underestimate our own potential to what we can achieve. Mm -hmm. End of the day, we invented planes. End of the day, someone's just flown into space or the edge of space. Our potential is infinite. I think it's just we who somehow figure out making it finite. So change your definition of success. Push your barriers of infinite potential because there's a lot more within each one of us we can achieve for the betterment of humanity and the world around us. Brilliant. What a point to finish on. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, uh, leadership is that. Leadership is about creating things for the betterment of humanity and the world. Mm. There's a responsibility on leadership. I agree. And I don't think it's talked about enough. We get so consumed by the day to day, actually just bringing it back to that principle of, you know, we can make a difference. Every one of us has the potential and the opportunity to make a difference. We just have to focus on it and uh, and almost ask ourselves the question, what, you know, what is it that I can do that makes the difference? Love it. Yeah. Hugely powerful. And mm -hmm. this is why we talk about CSR. It's growing. Business is for good purpose. Ultimately, business is a project. Businesses are not designed to make profits. Business make profits to advance that purpose, to advance their cause, to try and take it to the next level. You know, we talk about, I don't know, let, let's talk about certain airline industries. And, and when the airline industries go, are superseded by more superior companies. Look at Kodak as a camera company. Mm -hmm. They decide not to evolve because they focused on their product, their skill, mm -hmm. whatever the vehicle was. Imagine they focused on their cause. Airline mm -hmm. company's cause was superior transportation, not taking people in an airline. That was just a vehicle towards a cause. Mm. The more we focus on the cause, the more innovative we'll get. And I think the dentistry is going to need this more than any other time. If you think about Invisalign, people going, oh, this smile director's taking your business. They're not GDC registered. Listen, technology is coming day in, day out. Your cause is the patient's health. Mm. How else are you going to achieve this? COVID yeah. was an example. Three months practices shut down. We can't do dentistry. Your cause was patient's health. You could have got on Zoom, started talking to them that while dentists can't see you, these are things you can do at home. Can you imagine how much trust that would have built in the profession by the public? It's these small changes that make the big wins. And that's what we've got to focus on in, in any kind of leadership, really. Thank you, Drew. Uh, Drew, it's been an absolute pleasure. Is there a question we haven't asked you that you would have liked us to ask you? Is there any question you'd, uh, we would have talked about? I think there's one question we've got to sort of look at, and that's the long game. And I bring this because I spoke about it, but it's always been at the head of my thing. A lot of stuff we do is all about the short wins and the short game. But actually, we talked about trust at some level. Trust is built in small moments, mm -hmm. right? And those small moments lead to a bigger, longer game, more powerful impact. And if anything, in dentistry, let's start talking about quick conversions and all these sort of things. Let's talk about the longer game, smaller wins with patients that enable them to be able to trust us more and invest in, in their dental health more. That's the long game and the long win. Generally, any industry, let's look at that. Let's not scale up and quick up quickly. Let's play the long game. That needs resilience. That's going to need some patience. That's going to need perseverance. But I think that's where the biggest impact happens. Love that, the long game. And, you know, to that combined with your principle earlier about celebrating the small wins, Mm. I think those two things go hand in hand. Play a long game, but celebrate the small wins along the way and remember to enjoy that journey step by step is That's a right. re really powerful message to, to close on. Yeah, excellent.
Thank you, guys. And I think you guys are doing an amazing job. Keep it going. Keep focusing on growth and keep the CSR really alive because that purpose and cause is just, it's the base of everything. Mm. Mm. Thanks so much, Drew. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you. I knew it would be so much value in this. And I'm sure our listeners would join me in saying huge appreciation for you and the work you do with the Tubules groups and uh, and your members. So thank you so much for everything. Thank you for your time, everyone, as well. Thank you. Thanks, Drew. Take care. Well, a heartfelt thanks for watching or listening to the Dentistry on Purpose podcast. We hope you enjoy getting close to some of the greatest leaders in dentistry now and in the future. If you have enjoyed it, please hit the subscribe button. If you know people in your dental network that you think would like to listen to, then please share this episode with them. We'd be very grateful. If you'd like to get in touch with us, please feel free to do so. If you have suggestions for future guests or you'd like to appear yourself, please contact either Mark or Justin. Our social profiles and contact details are in the show notes. And we look forward to seeing you on the next episode.